You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne, and this is Kilcullen Diary. For this episode, we're going back in time, all the way to 1982, to the time of the Kilcullen Capers. The Capers were an annual event in which different areas of the village and the parish were pitted against each other in a week of variety shows which they wrote, rehearsed and presented in competition. It was fiercely competitive, secretive in advance and generally involved all ages and abilities in each area. At the time I was working in RTE Radio News. I took the opportunity to record some of the rehearsals and the local people involved in the 1982 shows to produce a radio documentary. I did put it together, editing my recordings with sticky tape and razor blade, but I never offered it for broadcast. The 1982 event was the 10th year, and, as it happened, was to be the last. Many years later, I came across the original tapes in my attic the master final looking close to coming apart at the splices. I brought it down and made a safe cassette copy. In 2005 I resurrected that, the only remaining version, and transferred it to CD. What follows is 42 minutes recalling a very special time in Kilcullen's history. You will hear a much younger version of my voice in my introduction, and among the other voices are Father Dunlee, Monica Martin, John Brady, Bernard Burney, Timmy Lynch, Donald Groves, the adjudicator Joe Dalton, John Doyle, Jim Collins and Paddy Smith, and also extracts from selected rehearsals and shows. Many in that list are sadly no longer with us. I was tempted to re-edit to shorten and sharpen the production, but decided not to. This is for all who made Capers a particularly wonderful decade in Kilcullen's community heritage. Right, here, quite now, we're on. In the autumn of the year, people in Kilcullen, County Kildare, begin thinking about an event which will take place in the following spring. Between the two seasons, 
preparations will be made for the annual Kilcullen Capers, a two-week festival of variety put on by the people of the small town. It's one which brings more than 500 local people to the boards of the Kilcullen Cinema Playhouse, and which attracts an audience of more than 4,000 people to shows which are booked out well in advance of time. Each of the six Kilcullen Community Council areas put on a variety show, but of course in each case the whole thing begins with an idea. <laughs> the theme of our show, it's, it's, um, it's rather mixed up. It's to do with the Tower of Old Kilcullen and it's been stolen by fairies. The fairies are a bit peeved because nobody believes in them anymore and they've decided that they have to do something about this and they want to prove to everybody that they do exist, that they are alive and well. They wrote to the county council who ignored their letter because they didn't believe in them and they decided they'd steal the tower of old Kilcullen and the show is to do with that, the stealing of the tower and the eventual restoration of the tower of old Kilcullen. That's what it is. And into that now we, we, we have brought Gilbert and Sullivan who are just uh, strolling minstrels from England who just happen to be passing through the town and are taken by the whole idea and who decide to write some songs and music about it. We came up with a song, uh, the little shirt my mother made for me, and the idea would be that we'd use it as a theme for the show. But the theme really is a robbery, of course. Two detectives are the guys that carry the theme right throughout the show for us. And they get into different situations. We start off in Wales. They go to Wales, and from Wales, to England and from England to Scotland and then they arrive back in Ireland with their prize treasure that they set out in the beginning to try and find for a guy called Lord Cavendish. Well, the Town Central Show uh, this year is uh, a caper show about a caper show. It starts off with a committee meeting. The first uh, representative on stage is the first committee meeting of the Town Central's Capers Committee to decide what are we going to do this year. And during the course of discussion, they start talking about what other areas might be doing, and each area is then represented on stage in a three to five minute spot. Our uh, idea of what uh, the type or style that other areas have, because we believe that each area has a particular style of presentation, which is repeated year after year after year. Subsequent to that little interlude, there becomes during the during the committee meeting they appoint a producer. And then, as is often the case, it's really a representation of how we, how we see things happening in capers. Everybody goes home and they say to the producer, well, give us a shout when you have something ready. Because uh, our image of the thing is the producer is expected to be a scriptwriter, um, a set builder, uh, an organiser of meetings. He, you know, he gets to sweep the hall, he gets to bring the heat, you know, bring the heater, be sure, when you, that sort of thing. So this poor fellow is left on his own, and the whole show subsequently is all happening in his mind. It's the ideas he gets, he says, I might do a scene from the 60s, and comes on stage a scene representing the, the major events in the 60s. Most of the other areas, they, they go in for a, a show with a story or a theme to it, we don't normally do this. We we prefer because we we feel it suits our group to go for more of a, a sort of variety show, which is you know just ping pong all the way through. Um, 
with, with good continuity. But that's what we always try to achieve. Uh, our show this year is based on Ireland. Uh, the name of it actually is Ireland, the Smile and Tear. And each item in it is uh, linked in some way to some facet of Irish life. Uh, that is the only thing that's running through our show this year. Basically, it is uh, fantasy, which we've always went into. But uh, we hope to convey the impression that uh, there is absolutely nothing between any of the areas as regards uh, the standard of show, because every area that puts on a show is pretty well equal. Everyone puts in an awful lot of work and everything like that, and we hope to, to sort of highlight this, to point out this. That how, is really how do you go about doing that? Well, the, the theme this year is that uh, we build a time machine, we travel off into the future, we discover the people in the future have perfected what we call an ele electronic adjudicator. We bring it back to us to our own time, and in actual fact, it is nothing more than the prod of a pin into the six areas. So basically then that is, that there's, we, we want to convey that impression that there's really nothing between any of us because every one of us puts in such an amount of time, energy, and whatever talents we possess. How did you go about uh, scripting this show together? Well, as we have done in other years, there's a number, we'd say, nature five or six, meet sometime mostly in my own house. We sit around the fire, that we've titled our script this year as done by round the fire, which in actual fact it was. We uh, look for ideas, someone comes up with an idea, we toss it about, someone else says something, and from that it starts. Well, what we do with script is we uh, we probably work sort of backwards in a sense. We get an idea, like this year's show, we picked our songs for um, the countries first and then we fitted a script to it. Now, the script for the general, the running order script as we call it, that's the theme script that goes right through it. We just sit down and we write bits of it, uh, a bit of it now and a bit of it again. We get an idea that uh, we start off with anyway, there was a robbery in this one. We get an idea then that we're going to send them to Wales, so we send them over on the mailboat. Um, then as, we, as the show develops then, we try to think of situations where we can send the two robbers into, or the two detectives into, and uh, it's bits and pieces. Is there such a thing as a typical capers show? No, except that I think one could say there is a typical capers show from each area. The town typically do this type of thing that I'm saying about dreams and imaginations and a theme running right through that they try to carry to a conclusion. Uh, the the Moon Bay and Bishop Rogan area typically do a, a beautiful musical scene of a, a, a little bit elevated from pop uh, music. Um, Nicholas Town typically do a large comedy scene which might last 20 minutes and, and then they intersperse it with uh, medleys of music. So each area really has a has a, sp a typical style of its own but you couldn't say that overall there, there, there is a typical but for each specific area there is, there is a typical show. Well I didn't know what to expect but uh, the man who was here last year, Jerry O'Halloran, was a great friend of mine 
In fact, he's the man who recommended me for the job, told me that the standard would be extraordinarily high. And I kind of took that with a grain of salt to a certain extent. But when I got down and saw the amount of work that was put into it and the involvement of the whole community, children, parents and grandparents, I was just flabbergasted. Had you uh, adjudicated before in anything similar? Never in anything like this. I had adjudicated singing competitions and various things. But um, never anything that included the kitchen sink, because this included drama and music and everything, literally everything. And um, the imagination and the originality of some of these shows was just mind-boggling. Once you've got an idea, once you've got a script, how do you get your performers? Last year, the year before, and the year before that, they just came along and they decided, okay, we're going to have fun. And they, I think we always did have fun in the Northeast, and we do enjoy the rehearsals very much. And it's a very easy atmosphere, and everybody has great crack. How do you actually select the people who'll do what? Well, you always know, don't you? the singers and the people who are suitable. You know them so well because you meet them day to day. You're familiar with them throughout the year. You know those who sing in the choir. You know the people who are in the drama group and so on. That's how you do it. And then every year some newcomer comes to light who's absolutely brilliant that you had no idea they had talent in a particular direction. I was supposed to appear for Connell's pub, you see. So anyway... It started up a Monday night, and uh, there was the KDA dance that Sunday night, an annual thing in uh, Nace. So I went to the KDA dance that night, and uh, from down in Interburnies the following night. So anyway, between Hutton and Tottenham, when they came around to six o'clock, Hutburnie had no show, and the Kings was there organising the show. And he had Billy Lamb and the band. He was doing a bit of a sketch himself. And he had no sing. No, see, will you come on? said to Joe. Well, one thing buried another anyway. So then back down, he says, I'll bring you home. He says, change your clothes and back in. Or back in. And I was the first one to take the stage. And the song I sang that night was the German clockwinder. The first song they've ever opened up gabbers is the German clockwinder. A German clockwinder to England once came. Willem Crooks was the pro-German's name. 
And as he was making his way down the strand, playing on his banjo, and he talks for two men with his tooralumalumma, tooralumalumma, tooralaye, 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 tooralaye. A woman came out from Fibsborough Square, saying that her clock is had needed repair. She invites a men, and to her great delight, in less than five minutes he puts her clock right with his tooralumalumma, tooralumalumma, tooralaye, 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 tooralaye. Tooralumalumma, tooralumalumma, tooralaye, tooralaye, And as they were both sitting, winding the clock, all of a sudden there came a loud knock. Well, in 1972, the Community Council paid £2,000 for what's now the Valley Park in Kikon, and they had to try and think of some way of raising money and it was as a result of discussions with the Finance Committee that capers came about. How did you go about organising it? Uh, well, it was a feedback into the areas of the community based on the community council structure that the representatives went out and asked people in their own areas would they be prepared to put on a variety show in the cinema. But um, at a meeting of this, uh, we were all asked to consider ways and means of... of uh, Raising funds, and we were told to come back to the next meeting with ideas. So, <clears throat> uh, the following week we came back, and there were various ideas for car drives and socials and what have you. Uh, and one of the ideas was uh, a community talent uh, com- competition. That's what we actually called it at that stage. It was it was my idea. I brought it to them, put it to them, and they said, community talent competition, what do you mean by community talent competition? Well, I think from the very start, it was uh, an enthusiastic response. It was, there was never any short of performers uh, once the idea got out. And I think that who, the people that weren't converted the first year, once they saw what was happening, everybody was in it the second year. How well structured was the organisation of the first year? Oh, it was chaotic. Uh, there was three shows on in one night, and there was uh, a break of a week between the show nights. So it ran for three Monday nights, and uh, it was absolutely chaos because all the shows were trying to put up their stuff on the stage and take it down within minutes, and it was terrible chaos, but it was very enjoyable. In the first year, we did um, three shows per night on a Monday night uh, over the course of three weeks with uh, two semi-finals and a final winners on each Monday night going forward to the final on the third Monday night. And it was such a success that, that uh, the following year we decided that we would run it for a week, uh, you know, one night after the other, rather than spread it over three weeks, and that the duration of the shows would be an hour. The next year then it was uh, decided that one area would only appear in the night uh, for performance and run the thing for a week, and uh, that some of the pubs should put on a show as well. And that proved very satisfactory and is very like the structure we have today, except now that the show has run for two nights. 
On that first year, you set out to make £2,000, or the bones of £2,000, to pay for your Valley Park, which was only scrubland at the time. Uh, did you actually make money that year? We did. I think they made £300 the first year. And uh, after that, it began to make five and six hundred pounds. The problem that happened in '74 was because it was only on for one night, so many people wanted to see it. That there was queues uh, in the daylight hours, uh, people trying to get into the cinema. So from '74, we went into '75 and '76, when the idea came up of televising it to the local pubs, and that uh, solved the problem, and people could see it in the local pubs all over the town. But uh, we had all sorts of technical problems, and it was black and white, and we hadn't professional actors on the stage, and just when they began to deliver the hit line, they were inclined to walk away from the mic or turn their back to the camera. So there was a lot of people criticised in the pubs that it wasn't coming across right, but we couldn't make uh, television performers out of ordinary people who were, uh, had only just arrived on the stage and just were lucky to say their lines. Their style created a whole new subculture, which quickly spread throughout the world. Overnight, they became household names. Standard uh, can be good and bad. Uh, there's an unfortunate thing about caper shows when you're dealing with amateurs. Uh, not that I've ever dealt with professionals, but uh, when you're dealing with amateurs, you're totally dependent on how often they can come to rehearsals. Uh, all sorts of aspects come into it, like diction. You know, can they sing? Can they dance? Can they move well on stage? Is their appearance good? Um, Standards generally for amateurs, I think, are reasonably good. Um, you can have a show built up uh, prior to capers, which you think is going to do well. On the night, it can flop. Likewise, you can have a show which doesn't appear great in rehearsal. On the night, it goes bomb. You know, it's a very uncertain thing. And for that reason, I'd say that standards are uh, they're reasonably good. Of course there are faults, there are faults in production, there are individual lapses of memory, there are bad productions. But I know when I started uh, to sing first, it took me five years before I could go on the stage without trembling. All these people are amateurs. The fact that they have the courage to go on stage at all is to me something exceptional. The fact that they could go on and put on such a performance is to me unbelievable. There are many minuses, but you don't um, just criticize someone because he fluffed his lines or someone because he changed key in the middle of a song. 
he knows very well himself that he has made the mistake and there's no point in rubbing it in rubbing it in I think my main function here should be to pick out the winners and to encourage those who have come and given of their all to encourage them to greater effort next year and the following years and from what I've seen of the young children here of five years of age coming out and dancing perfectly in time of children of six and seven singing and speaking and dancing and miming and doing all kinds of things I think it augurs very well for the for the future of Kilcullen Capers it's funny, this is, I've been thinking about this year, and every year I say I'll never do it again, that, that's the end of it. But you see, I have a certain number of friends closely involved in it, and, and in major positions and doing an awful lot of work. And I feel if I drop out that I'm letting them down, that they're going to just have to carry that little bit extra. And they don't really want to be in it either. But for some, you know, pride in the community or I don't know what it is it's, it's a kind of an insidious blackmail to feel that it has to go on it's this business of it's what I describe as infectious assumption each year the community council says the dates for capers are the 12th of March to 24th of March and that's it they assume that everybody's going to put on a show and, and this assumption is infectious it catches on through the whole parish and everybody does put on a show as I said the reason I get involved is because some of my friends are deeply involved and I I don't want to leave them holding <laughs> my share of the, of the mess. Uh, some of them take it very seriously indeed, but most of them enter it with, with, uh, with the right competitive spirit. You know, it's, it's uh, if you like, it's the annual uh, slagging match around Kilcullen, where everybody has a go at everybody else. Uh, it's all, uh, most of it is friendly, I must say. Uh, certainly you get some of the maybe diehards who are um, it's very, very serious about it, you know and uh, those people are not worth considering really the people that are important to Capers as far as I'm concerned are the people who come back year after year and um, really uh, take part and in a friendly slangy sort of way I think it's very important because where you have competition you're bound to have rivalry and without rivalry you won't have a good show for instance uh, today I uh, been Saturday we were here rehearsing in the Kennedy Hall and uh, some people from the other area came in and the little bit of jealousy sort of rivalry sort of thing was uh, it's great that you have the right context that you can have a place like this to put up your setting and um, uh, rehearse now i suppose he was being a bit bitchy but you know that's rivalry i think it's the spirit of competition that uh, one town's land feels that uh, well they they can put on that little bitter better bit of a show than, than the neighbours. I, I think like while every show, as I said, is good, I think if the spirit of competition, if there wasn't a winner, you wouldn't have the self-same enthusiasm that we do have. How seriously do the competitors, or the, how seriously do the performers take the whole thing? Well, they like to convey the impression that it's very, very serious, but in actual fact, there's a great spirit of comradeship between them all because uh, we have found down through the years that when we ran into trouble as regards set scenery wanting in another, we always found that the neighbouring area or some other area was quite willing to row in and give us whatever help and cooperation they could, even though on the surface they'd say that, that uh, they had no time at all for us. 
has the whole concept of capers, say, in your individual area alone, has it meant anything to your individual area as a community? Oh, I'd say it certainly has, because prior to capers, as I said earlier, like, we are so widespread that you weren't that well acquainted with your neighbour. You met him on the road, you might nod to him and that, but uh, when you met him for rehearsals and got him interested in capers, well, you grew that bit closer to him, so uh, the, 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 it has improved relationships, I'd say, with neighbours over the years, it certainly has. Well, I think it's an annual exercise for people to get together and get to know one another. And I think if you come into Kilcullen as a new person, the one of the quickest ways you will get to know people in the town is get involved in capers. If you don't meet them on the stage, you'll meet them in the pub afterwards. And it's a crash course in community relations. How is it different from, say, the ordinary drama group or the, the local musical society that you get in most every largish town in the country? Well, each area has a has its own share of very good talent but I think the thing with capers is there's a place for everybody in the shows you get people who uh, have never been on a stage before and sometimes these are the gems lad of 45, 50 years of age never appeared in anything and you'll find him a star in a caper show he's discovered and uh, sometimes uh, he, he, he ad-libs and he does all sorts of stuff and drama people would take fright when they see them on the stage but the locals like them and the, what the locals go for is seeing uh, the ordinary people performing on the stage and, and having the guts to get up on the stage and do it. sort of tell and adjudicate really is you, you can't sort of tell an anthropologist the local humour, he must take this up from the audience themselves because he's a, he's a stranger really, like, and he's reacting he'll have to react from what the audience is reacting, like you know if, if there's no way he can sort of uh, know exactly what, uh, if somebody wants to have a go with Gilly Collins, Jim Collins like you know, or, or Nori Lynch or Timmy Lynch or, or um, any of the local characters you know, there's no way that he would know who these people were so you'll have to sort of go away from what the audience are uh, reactions like. Mm -hmm. 
And is that type of local flavour uh, very much a part of capers? I think this is the it's the biggest part of capers, really, because uh, <coughs> excuse me. What you have, in fact, is you have people which uh, go on the stage possibly for two nights every year, and you don't see them for the rest of the year. And I think they look forward to for going on here. And uh, well, the local humour is fantastic. There's no two ways about it. Like you know, they're really fantastic. This is another of the difficulties that that I um, encounter. I find that uh, this is a probably an insulting thing to say, but you must play to a pretty uh, medium level of understanding and of humour. And um, the handiest way to get a joke is what they used to call in the early stages the old knickers joke. You just came out on the stage and said knickers and everybody laughed. And that was a very successful uh, form, formula till people got a bit more sophisticated and you had to say blue knickers or pink knickers. And then it, we developed from that to the Jim Collins joke where you come out and said Jim Collins in some context and that was also very funny. And this is the simplest form of humour but the most successful. People laugh uproariously at this. But then if you go a little bit further and uh, I, of course I, always, I remember one year um, we did a scene in a courtroom and I thought it was terribly clever, and it was very cleverly written. And it's the things like, uh, the master fabricators must, like window cleaners, come to dust. While this, of course, is most profound, they treat, li they treat it lightly, I have found, and concentrate from day to day upon their weekly rate of pay. Very clever little lines like this, you know, verbally clever. And it was, went absolutely like a lead balloon. It actually dragged the whole show down, the whole show. It's gone! What's gone? The tower! And me brophy's after rigging me up to say it's been nicked. He said he woke up this morning and he looked out his bedroom window to see Spallin's lorries moving half a Halberstone by his front window. And then he turned around and he looked out the, the bathroom window and didn't he see a few lads loading the tower up on the back of a lorry and making off down the hill with it? Do you mean the tower of all Cape Collins? Yes! You lads are going to have to do something about it. Even though the tower would be lost. There be no material for articles and unbalish a gunny. John Joe will have to change his sign and his carrier bags. Where will all the tourists go? The um, rules are, are laid on by the committee, and marks must be given for variety for production, for involvement, for entertainment, and for originality. Equal marks allotted for each. In other words, if we say 100 marks in all, that would be 20 marks for each of those categories. And then when we add up the totals, we come up with the, the winning score, and whoever gets the highest marks wins. But there are so many other aspects. I mean, sets, the music, all these things which aren't really shown in these five different categories, but which must be included in the different categories. Which, uh, there's an immense amount of uh, work in it to try to establish, you know, um, what the best show is. Because some of them are tremendous as far as entertainment is concerned, but the involvement might not be as intense as it is in the other shows. And in the others, you might have more involvement than you have entertainment or originality. So that in the final analysis, it will be very close indeed, and it will be really one man's opinion. Somebody else might come along and have a different view altogether.
too late. I've just received the message. The fires are burning fiercely, and you are all on the brink of destruction. My old man, he follows the van, and don't dilly dally on the way. Off went the cart with the old Macdinnis. I walked beside with my old cart linen, but I dilly and dally, dally and dilly. Oh, well, that's not right. No, it's not right. It's good. <laughs> now, mate, you want to do it a different way. You want to come in more, more definite on it. Yes, you didn't tell me that, John. I know, but I'm telling you now that you should do it. Well, I think the biggest problem is trying to think up the idea and trying to find the material for it. For instance, uh, I would give you one instance that we had this year. One of our songs is A Welcome in the Hillside. It's a Scottish... It's a, a Welsh song. Uh, Harry Seacombe was the only guy we knew who sang it. Now, we couldn't um, get it anywhere. And finally, we decided to ring the record library in RTE. Now, we're told they don't usually do this, but I would say fair juice to the lady up in that place. I will not mention her name. But um, she, record she wrote the, took it off the record for me with the words, and we got it down. Then we couldn't get the mel mel melody going right, and I had to get back to her again with a cassette recorder, which I believe is against all copyright regulations. And um, we, she recorded two versions of it for us at about half past four one evening, and some fellow picked it, one of our men picked it up then around five. That to me is one of the problems. And you know, costume, I suppose, is a problem again. Again, we had a problem this year with costume. We have British grenadiers in it, and we were trying to make up the costume. And uh, we're trying to get it from different uh, people in Dublin that hire out the costume. They had nothing for us. So one of the ladies sat down and they came up with a uh, fabulous grenadier outfit. The Busby hat for the top of it, for the head, is um, made from carpet that was spun down in a tie. So, you know, that's some of the problems. Yes, there, there are lots of snags. Um, I can only speak for our own area because I've been involved in production in the last four to five years. And uh, w one of the things that we find difficult is that we usually get a large number of children coming to us. Now, we rarely uh, say to any child, no, we can't use you. We always try and find a part for them. But if you have too many numbers, the stage isn't just big enough to haul them and it's sometimes very difficult. And anyhow, when you're dealing with large numbers of children, um, they become more difficult to handle. Smaller groups are easier to handle. Uh, apart from that, the, the difficulties are rehearsal difficulties. You can only get the cinema on one night, uh, usually, before you go on, which means that if your show is ready on the night the cinema is allotted to you, uh, you, you will get a complete run through your show if you have all your cast there, which is not always possible. You're people working nights and different hours, if you have a nurse or a guard or something like that on your cast, they're working anti-social hours and uh, they're not always available for rehearsal. Um, one of the main difficulties, I think, as far as I'm concerned, is that uh, when our group appoint a producer, they just go away and they sort of say, well, call us when it's all ready, you know? And um, they expect the producer to not only produce the show, to write it, to paint the sets, to make the sets, put the sets up, uh, do all the scripting, get all the songs ready, 
Musical direction is usually done in our show by Sean Kyo, which is a a bonus for us. And uh, but generally speaking, to be a producer in capers, I think you have to be a general dog's body. A presentation requires firm direction with a variety of pace, tone, and style, and a clever mixture of drama, comedy, and music. When the curtain goes up, the audience must be confronted with a magnificent setting, which will encapsulate. Encapsulate. As I was saying, which will encapsulate the totality of our concept. Oh, yeah. I am convinced that we can, with total commitment from everyone, produce an entertainment which will occupy a permanent position in the theatrical history of Ireland and will transform capers from a mediocre talent show to a truly cultural experience. You can't beat a little bit of formal education, I'll say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what, Mick? He's a great man with him, all right, and he sounds like the man for the job for me and you. What are you doing, sir? Producer. What about you? It's something I always wanted to do, and I, I'm grateful for the confidence you've placed in me. But unfortunately, I'm heavily committed in other activities. <laughs> He plays darts. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the reason that you know it. Now, boys, now. At least we know what's required now, thanks to Paul. A man of great vision and considerable common sense. Sense? Yeah. Uh, uh, enough sense not to get involved in this now. I told you, Mickey's too cute. That's not fair. I'm behind you. Always have been. Oh, yeah. Anything you want, you know where I am. Yeah, we do, yeah. <laughs> It's a little hard to explain, you know, because uh, you could say the people are gluttons for punishment in one way, but um, I think it's, it's, it's the fact that there are so many people from the different areas. I mean, over the fortnight, uh, we would have anything from three to 400 people from our own area uh, taking part in different shows on the stage. And I think that's a tremendous achievement um, in a community the size of ours. Plus, uh, all the outside people that you get with different pubs and clubs and organisations coming in, people from outside our own areas. Um, I think there's a tremendous interest in Capers. Everybody says every year, never again. But there's always next year. I think the Kilcullen, the activity in Kilcullen and the year in Kilcullen revolves around Capers. And we're, uh, when the, the, it comes about, there's nothing discussed in the pubs almost in the church that's the only place but I would imagine that on the last Sunday of Capers that the priest in the church would make some reference to it as Capers final night but uh, it involves everybody and uh, uh, it's the talking point and once Capers is over one feels that the winter is gone and the spring is gone and summer is on its way it's a sort of a it's a milestone in the history in the life of the community to me it's very enlightening because uh, to my, my mind it's the answer to television and what we, some of the muck we see on television. Um, the total enter, uh, involvement of families, to my mind, is a very wholesome thing indeed. And it's a very wholesome way that boys and girls can come together and meet. And uh, I recommend it highly. I think this is a blueprint for the whole country, for any um, 
provincial town to put on a show like this, especially for a town the size of Kilcullum. Six major shows of an hour and a half each, apart altogether from the clubs and the pubs. You know, uh, there's, there's no space backstage. There are no dressing rooms. They have a caravan outside in which they change, uh, and they, some, some of the cast change in the pubs across the road. Um, I've seen people bringing in scenery from the backs of cars and vans, and having to have this all set up in 15 minutes and cleared off in another 15 minutes. I think they should make much more of this. I think we should have a parade to open the beginning of the capers. I think they should have military bands. I think they should have the minister down here. I think they should have a grant from the Arts Council or from some government body. If we saw more of this around, I'm, I'm quite sure that in the last two or three or four weeks there has been no vandalism in Kilcullen. There hasn't been time for it. The whole thing, uh, to my mind, is the answer to all this uh, problems with youth at the moment and with the drugs and the problems that we see in Dublin and in the big cities. I began to wonder last week why I did it. <laughs> and then yesterday when we had the little children in the house and we were trying on their fairy costumes, I said to myself, it's worth it. The joy on their faces and the fact that they're going to be on stage, you know, and they're absolutely thrilled out of their minds to be dressed up in all this finery. If this didn't happen, if capers didn't happen, they wouldn't get a chance to do that, would they? Kilcullen Capers, 1982. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary, and thank you for listening. <laughs> ¶¶